R-A-P. I won't say it because <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> but if I am like in a zone and angry and I, he'll go, oh, you said it. <laughs> like he's like, he's like, you want your mouth washed out with soap? You know, he'll hold me on it. Because that's my, my threat is that if you have a potty mouth, you get soap in your mouth. Uh, all of you are like, going to report her for child abuse. <laughs> Guess what? It causes you to not say potty words <laughs> when you think of them that way. But you know another the extraordinary thing is with my son, those places of shortcomings, if I look right at him and say, you know what, you're right. Mommy's got like maybe some anger right here. Maybe I haven't spent enough time with Jesus. Do you know my son has such a understanding of the fact that his mom needs time with Jesus? I'm not a good mom without Jesus. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today is the place that we as mothers, we as children, those of you that are children, that we are fallen creatures and that I can't be enough and my child can't be enough for me. And oftentimes we're looking for our mothers to be enough. And then as mothers, we're looking for our children to be enough for us. We have an expectation of what we want our children to be how we want them to perform. And all of a sudden, the older your kid gets, and you're going, that's not, that does, that's not a good representation of me. <laughs> that's not how I want you representing me when we're around other people. No, thank you. All of a sudden, all of those things and all of those places that we have expectations of certain performance and certain roles that people should fill, they all come crashing down the older our children get. And so this is what I want to say to you this morning. I, I don't care who your mom is. I don't care what she's done, what she hasn't done. I don't care, you know, what it may have looked like in your past. This is what I want to say to you. This Mother's Day, the greatest gift you could ever give your mother is to forgive her and to release her from her her failures. Release her from those expectations of what you thought she should have been and she cannot be for you. But I want to say it's also a gift to you. Because as long as you're holding on to what your mother, and I'm going to say, this is, this is a lifelong journey. I have a fantastic relationship with my mother. But that fantastic relationship doesn't mean that sometimes on a daily or maybe a weekly or a monthly basis, I have to recalibrate and say, oh, yeah, she disappointed me because she herself is flesh and blood, and she cannot be perfect. And releasing her from expectations on a consistent basis so that I can have a healthy relationship with her. So first and foremost, your mother is a sinner in need of a savior, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has put forward as a perpetuation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because his divine forbearance has passed over former sin. It was to show his righteousness at at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And number two, that you recognize, and this, this will change the way that you relate to your mother, that you yourself have need of forgiveness and mercy. Oftentimes when we're holding other people to such a high standard that they can never fulfill, we're forgetting that we ourselves are in need of forgiveness and mercy. We ourselves are people that don't do it perfectly, don't say it perfectly. We forget things. We overlook things. We can't. And, you know, oftentimes we kind of walk around with expectations of other people of, 
I'm looking for you to do this and relate to me this way. And whoop, you forgot to hug me. And oops, you didn't remember my birthday. And you know, all of those things. And so there's expectations. And other people don't even know that they're failing to meet your expectations. And so one of the most extraordinary things that you can do to remain in a relationship, an ongoing healthy relationship with your mother, is continually remind yourself that you yourself need forgiveness and mercy. You yourself are, are, are not perfect, as a little wake-up call for you this morning. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Um, actually, at the end of service, part of our closing is we're actually going to take time um, to pray for our mothers, not just the mothers that are physically here, um, but the mothers that we all have that we may not even be physically with today, but to take time to pray for them. Um, in addition to that, we're going to pray for the mothers that are here present. So it, it, along those lines, we do have a group of women here today that are mothers. And so oftentimes when you think about the mother's kind of um, Mother's Day hallmark kind of commercial and the cards and all of those things, we all kind of think of the uh, the mother with her bouncing toddler in the joy, you know, kind of like, oh, I've got this cute little baby. You know, I, I want to say to you guys this morning that even for the women that are in here, with motherhood, what that means is oftentimes there's women that have had miscarriages that nobody knows about. So there's women that may not have children in their arms today, but they are in a very real sense a mother who carried a child and is grieving the loss of a child that is no longer with them. I actually have several friends that even though they may celebrate having five and six children, Mother's Day is still painful because there's three that they don't have in their home, three that they miscarried. And I, I'm saying this to you to say is that oftentimes, you know, around certain holidays and around certain um, things like this, there's that place of we kind of look at the good and we celebrate kind of like, oh, she's got a mom and she loves her mom and he's got a mom. And, but there's a host of other scenarios um, we have close friends that have children, so instead of celebrating Mother's Day this year, they're in the process of a divorce. And so there's not a lot of celebrating of, uh, of Mother's Day in that home because of the issue of a divorce and a man that is not honoring his wife and teaching his children to do that. Then you have a host of other people that they have children, but with their children, and to be honest with you, the older your children get, the more you come to realize as much as your children are a source of great joy, there is also places of great pain. There's people that are celebrating Mother's Day that as much as they love their children, their children have chronic disease. And so there's a place of pain over a suffering child. There's other places that their children, because of um, challenges mentally, emotionally, physically, there's those that have children that their children are wayward and away from the Lord, and the choices of their children inflict pain and suffering upon them. There's an array of things that come with motherhood, and it's not just the image of a fruitful home and a happy child and all of the joy. And you know the extraordinary thing is oftentimes we don't think about the side. I mean, if you're a mom, you think about this side. <laughs> I mean, this is, when you're a mother, you identify with the fact of it begins with sleepless nights, and if you're a breastfeeder, you're you're glued to that kid for about 18 months <laughs> and never have a moment of freedom. I mean, the beginning is so difficult and challenging. I, for myself, I had postpartum depression and had no idea I had it. I'm such like a pusher, like I'll just 
move through anything. Like if Daryl ever says to me, are you doing okay? Am I like, am I ever not okay? Like, hello, it's me. Like, I just keep going. <laughs> I had no idea, but like looking back, I'm like, oh, there was like a very dark cloud and I kind of couldn't move and I had no energy and I couldn't think and I was very confused a lot and I actually had almost like hallucinations because I was sleep deprived. <laughs> you know, like I look back and I'm like, that was ugly. You know, that wasn't, that was not happy. But you know, you go through all of those things, there's complexity. So there's nothing that you just, and even for those of you here today that maybe you don't have children and you think like, oh, if I could just have a child. Even with that comes places of pain and suffering and challenge. You know, we've never had any kind of, um, you know, when Abram was a child, he had a different medical and physical things, but then he had from four to eight years old chronic, chronic Lyme's disease. And, you know, it's amazing because it, every person has their cross to bear. And so even in motherhood, oftentimes we think, oh, they're just celebrating the fact that they're a mom and all the joy. Yes, they're celebrating the fact that they're a mom and all the joy that their child brings, but you may not know the host of other challenges and pain and difficulty and perplexity. I talk with people all the time that their children are, even from very young years, have a crisis of faith. And we live in a culture and a society that it is extremely difficult and challenging to, to kind of decipher those things and navigate those waters. And so as we kind of approach this message on Mother's Day, I really want you to have an understanding first and foremost of the complexity that is surrounding the issue. But also I want you to have an understanding that even for those that may have a child, that there, it, it, there may be a place that it's not all celebration, but there's portions of pain, there's portions of regret, there's portions of things that they're praying through and working through that still that there's disappointment in the midst of the joy of a child. And so I'm actually going to read you this quote. It's by, um, I love Anne Voskamp. It says, when we, our people, are less than we hoped, if when we don't lose hope, uh, it's what is when we don't lose hope, life doesn't have to be as good as we expected it to be for us to accept the good that it is. Less expecting, more accepting. We could expect more, but maybe there's more joy in accepting more. And really, that's what I want to say to regardless of where you are in the spectrum this morning, if you're not a mother, this is for you. That there's more joy in accepting your mother in who she is than expecting more from her. And if you're a mother here this morning, there, most mothers, I'm just going to be straight, I, I know we, we may not, not have a ton of them here today, and for those of you that I don't know very well, when you're in a pastoral position, you tend to know people behind the veil. <laughs> like, you don't just know their Instagram life and their Facebook life where it's like, oh, they had that, and that looks so fun. You get, like, the real phone call of, like, my husband got drunk, and then he did that. You, like, you know the real backstory of, like, wow, it, you look like you had a good day on Facebook, <laughs> you know? Like, wow. You know, you know the real understanding of the messiness of people's lives. And with that, can I say that even this phrase of we need to do less ex expecting and more accepting, do you know there's many women that wake up on Mother's Day, they don't have a spouse that's going to celebrate them, they don't even, they may be a single parent, which that in and of itself deserves a massive award. For any woman here that is raising a child alone, you are courageous, you are amazing, you are strong, you are powerful, you are a phenomenal role model to your child. 
of what it means to keep going and to be a resilient person. You are teaching them beautiful things, and especially the fact that you're raising them in the house of the Lord. But in addition to that, there's many people that kind of wake up with a, I want roses and breakfast in bed, and I want my children to behave, and I want my husband to show me love and honor and all these things. And then they wake up to a dish full of, a, a sink full of dishes, <laughs> everyone waiting to be fed. There's nothing romantic, mystical, and there's no like glitter floating in the sky. It's like, wait, I thought it was Mother's Day. Why does it feel like every other day? <laughs> nothing magical happening over here. <laughs> And then, this is, sorry if this is too real for you, then the mom goes into the self-pity mode. Everybody else gets special things. Everybody else gets celebrated. I never get celebrated. My life stinks. My husband stinks. My children stink. Happy Mother's Day, me! You know, <laughs> you know, it's that place of going, I expected something, something magical, something wonderful, something out of a storybook, and this is my real life. Can I say something to you, friends? We are all living in the real life place. And can I say this to you? That 99.9% of your emotion and your happiness and your joy is not expecting the real life place to be something magical, but accepting and embracing what it is. So I want to say to you here this morning, if you're a mother, instead of kind of like, well, I didn't wake up to a dozen roses, I surely didn't have breakfast and bread, and I'm sure he didn't even buy me a gift. The perspective and the shift of your attitude and expectation is, I woke up in a house today that had a beautiful child. That even if nothing magical happens today, the fact that I have this gift is a kiss from God. And so what I'm going to do is instead of remembering all of the I wish I had or I could have had or what should have been or why don't I get, I'm going to look at what's in front of me and find the good. I'm going to fight to celebrate for the good that is right in front of me. And not just Mother's Day, like this is the emotional health <laughs> of how you navigate disappointment in real life. When you're married and maybe your anniversary isn't as whoop-de-woo as you <laughs> imagined it to be, and all of those built-up expectations of what it is that you embrace and what it is that you celebrate in the midst of the ordinary. I'm going to actually, um, you guys can turn to John chapter 12, 1 through 8. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about is in the midst of the ordinary. John chapter 12. Most of you are probably familiar with this. This is the story of Mary of Bethany. And no, I did not pick this because it has my name in it. But it happens to be one of my favorite biblical characters. Um, <clears throat> and so this is kind of what I want to talk about this morning. So whether you're a mother or whatever your role or your status is in life, we are all faced with very ordinary, sometimes mundane, difficult things. How many of you guys know, you, if you're not a mom here today, you don't know this, but when you have a little one, you literally feel as though you're trapped inside your house, 
and that you, you're almost like a, a mouse on a wheel that can't get off. You're like, oh, I do a diaper change, and then I feed them, and then I nap them, and then I clean everything, and then I do a diaper change, and then I nap them, and then I feed them, and then I, you, like, you just do the same thing over and over, and every once in a while, you're like, I think I'm going to try to get out of the house, and then when you try to do that, the kid explodes their diaper, and then after they explode your diaper, you're so tired, and you have tears coming down your face, you're like, it's not really worth it to get out of the house. We'll just stay in the house, and it's one of those things where it's kind of like, well, call me when my kid is 18, because it feels as though I kind of can't, and then you have, like, my world. I'm a homeschool mom, and so the reality of that world is, is you constantly, endlessly have things that you could and should be working on, but then you deal with a kid that has chronic sickness for four years, and so not only do you have to cook every meal from scratch, you have to dispense constant medicine in doses that are astronomically high, and so you have this crazy schedule of like, when you wake up first thing in the morning, the first thing you do is you get drops, do not brush your teeth, do not drink water, you need drops under your tongue, get the drops. Okay, 30 minutes later, now you can drink your water. Drink your water fast because then you're going to eat your cereal because then after you have that, we're going to give you another dose and you need that 30 minutes after your food and then you need an hour before you get your next medicine. So you have kind of this crazy schedule. Can I say, even if you don't have a child with chronic sickness, most moms have a list of things that they're having to execute and accomplish in several worlds that they are spinning. And let's just, let's just give a holler to all the moms that, yes, you're in your home and you're trapped there, but some of you are also juggling a side gig, like a part-time or a full-time job. What? I mean, like, <laughs> I literally, I, I, it makes my head spin. It absolutely makes my head spin. I have the kind of job that, yes, I might come in for like a 12-hour day on a Tuesday or a Thursday, but like I can schedule phone appointments and then these things around my kid. And so if any of you have ever been on the phone with me and heard my kid in the background, like I can juggle it. It's massively confusing and it kind of leaves you as a person that's ever twitching because you're not sure which direction you're going and you're moving so fast trying to get it all done. But can I say to you this morning that moms, with the task that they have in front of them, there's a whole heck of a lot of ordinary going on. And sometimes in the midst of the ordinary, you lose sight of the extraordinary that is happening in your midst. I'm going to say this to you mothers, and for those of you that are mothers, someday you may be. I'm going to say this to you that are not fathers yet, but someday you will, you will be. Mark my words. Once you're in the grind... <laughs> of raising that child between footballs and retainers and, you know, music lessons and all of the things that you got to, like, do for the kid, like all the athletic things, all the musical things, all the educational things, all the nutritional things, all the retainers. Like, there's a constant thing like this. Can I say something to you? More than your kid needs straight teeth, more than your kid needs a go-kart, more than your kid needs private education, your kid needs to be taught how to value the presence of God. Guess what? You know, we've recently been doing all the work of, like, life insurance and all, like, all of our life planning of, like, if we were to drop dead <laughs> together while we're on a plane and Abram was not present. All of those things of, like, our house and how does he pay for college? <laughs> all of those things. Can I say, as much as we're diligent to plan for his future, if God forbid he does not have us to care for him, far more than he needs you know, $200,000, $400,000, my kid needs a heart that knows how to find and seek the presence of God. He needs a heart that has a hunger for the presence of God. I can raise a star athlete. I can raise a kid with straight teeth. 
I can raise a kid that is a phenomenal musician. He could be a doctor. He could be a lawyer. He's highly skilled, highly talented. But if he does not have a heart that burns for the things of God, I failed as a parent. Now hear me. There's some of you in this room today that your kids are not walking with God. I am not saying that you are a failure because, haha, let's go back to point number one. We are fallen people. We have a sin nature. Guess what? You can plant all the seeds in the world, and guess what? They choose. But guess what? This season, I'm in with a 10-year-old. It's my season for sowing. I have no choice in the matter of what he does when he's 16, 17, 18, of what he chooses. But the time that he's under my care, the time that I choose in the morning, what will your morning routine be? Will it be Xbox or will it be Word of God? What will your evening routine will it be? Will it be to sit out and daff out to the television? Or will it be a child that opens his Bible and reads the Word before bed? See, a lot of us as parents, we think, well, it's the culture. No, no, no. You create a culture in your home. You choose the culture of your home. The culture of my home is my kid knows when he wakes up in the morning, it's the presence of God first. I need the presence of God to live. You need the presence of God to live. We can't do it without him. Now, mind you, do we watch TV? Yes, it happens to be banished to my basement. I try to make it the least appealing place to go. Kind of like, well, you know, it's down there, it's dark, and not so cool. We have like a little teeny Ikea, <laughs> we have a little teeny Ikea couch that if we do family night and we all sit on it, we're like, oh, you know, Daryl's like, my butt doesn't even fit on the thing. Like, you know, like, and every once in a while they say, should we get a better couch? He's like, nope, we're only parking it here maybe for one movie a week with the kid. Other than that, this is not where we're making our family. You create the culture of your home. And I just want to release any parent here from any place of shame. Like I said, if your child has not chosen Jesus, I am not saying that you are to blame for that. But I I will say this to you. You do not cease praying and you do not lose hope. You continue, even when they are no longer under your care and when you can no longer make those decisions for them of what they'll watch and where they'll go and what kind of substances they put in their body, you continue to remain in hope and fighting for their heart and praying over them. And I guarantee, mark my words, I guarantee there is a point in time where the seeds that you have sown, that you will see a harvest from what you've sown into their life. So second, oh no, you guys are in John 12. What am I doing on time? I'm not doing good. Okay, John 12. John 12, 1 through 8. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who who would betray him, said, why was the fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, Not that he cared for the poor, 
but because he was a thief and, and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Then Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept for this day of my burial. <clears throat> for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. So what we see here is a picture of Mary was sowing and giving and pouring out her devotion in what looked like utter foolishness. Judas, what he did was he was rationalizing and explaining of why it was a waste. What you see here is a parallel of the seen and the unseen. And the reason I wanted to read this, this story this morning is oftentimes as mothers, and as I said, this can apply to all of us, is we have to live lives of sowing into the unseen instead of what is seen of understanding that we're sowing into something that we may not be seeing the fruit of immediately, but it is, it is our calling to sow. That's what Jesus was doing. Uh, that's what Mary was doing. She was actually anointing the feet of Jesus, preparing him for a burial, and because it was the amount of an entire year of wages that looked like an utter waste. But guess what? There was something far greater than what could be seen that was taking place. She valued, this spoke of value, and you know, the reason I wanted to read this to you this morning is that whether you're a mother or whatever your position is in life, I can remember one time, I think Abram was like about four or five years old, and I started ordering homeschool curriculum and had it like all stacked on the thing, and then I had other work responsibilities. They weren't necessarily like Hilltop, but it was like other ministries that I serve on boards, and I remember thinking like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to that. I need to start teaching my kid how to read, you know? <laughs> like I remember like the world of things, and then I remember like thinking back to when I was single, how I would spend six hours a day in the prayer room before I had my son. And how now our time, Daryl can tell you, when we do devotionals with our kid and we spend time in worship and the word, there's not a lot of lingering happening. Um, usually if I want to linger myself, I have to give him like a book to read. Usually it's on a missionary or something. But I assign him as reading and I say, you sit quietly for 30 minutes. And I think, I have 30 minutes of silence. This is amazing. That's kind of like all you get in the mom life. But I can remember one time I was kind of lamenting. I, I, I was complaining before the Lord, kind of like, I never get, like, extended time with you. I'm kind of exhausted and confused, <laughs> you know. And I so clear, clearly heard the voice of God say to me, all I ask is that you worship me with your moments. And all of a sudden it went from, like, hours and, like, expectation of, like, I no longer get hours in the word. He was just looking for in my moments. In my moment when I'm washing the dishes, in my moment when I'm putting my kid in the tub, in, my, in the moments of our life is when he's looking for your worship. I'm not saying that you should not set aside times and prolonged periods of time to read the word and worship. You absolutely should, especially if you do not have little people running around. Because your life will change drastically when you do. <laughs> but what I am saying to you is that we cannot... Look at and lament almost the time and feel as though we lack time to spend quality time with the Lord. But the question is, are you worshiping him in your moments? When you're driving along in the car, when you're in between tasks, or you're just occupying yourself and your self-thought and your meditations with other things? The question is, are we worshiping him with our moments? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but a moment, 
is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but to the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Oftentimes, our life becomes about the menial, temporary things that we can see. And we have to fight to keep a life that is about the unseen and the eternal. Can I say something to you mothers? If you're kind of like, well, what does this have to do with motherhood? The souls and the spirits of our children are eternal. When you're giving your life and laboring and sowing into that place of your child, you're sowing into the eternal. Or for anybody here in this place, if you're not a parent, people are eternal beings. It's never wasted when we invest into people. It is wise. But even more than that, it's the presence of God. It's us being people that are more aware of the presence of God than momentary things. Even as this language is in 1 Corinthians, is that it's our momentary light affliction. It's but a moment that we have to keep our eyes on beyond the moment. And so what I want to say to you, for those of you that might kind of be in the grind of toddlers and chaos <laughs> and all of that, the Lord is not looking for anything other than simply worship him with your moments. The simple moments, you know, we've taught Abram from the time he was born. Before he, I've said to him, Abram, before your head even comes off the pillow, you should be saying the name of Jesus. Before your, your feet touch the ground, ask God for his grace. Tell him that you need his spirit today. Do you know that even those simple disciplines begin to create an awareness in the hearts of our children? They kind of create a bent in their heart. And, you know, the extraordinary thing is we're laboring and we're fighting. We want to see Abram know Jesus and love him fully. And, but you know the extraordinary thing is about last year, we saw like his interest in music and different things. And I was like, I don't think he's saved. You know, I started saying to Daryl. Because I, you know, I'd say, well, those lyrics and that artist, and it would be like so concerning. And he'd be like, well, he, you know, his cousin. He's like, my cousin listens to it. You know, my cousin. And I'm like, yeah, your cousin isn't Jesus. We're not modeling our life after our cousin. What does Jesus say? And as a nine-year-old, that was just like, we weren't getting anywhere. And, and so I'd say to Daryl, he just needs a salvation experience. But you know what the extraordinary thing is that the, um, it was Good Friday, actually, he watched The Passion of the Christ. And he truly, truly <laughs> had a salvation experience that even last night as he was brushing his teeth, he was talking about how it's changed everything for him. That he didn't want to, last night at Bodeborg, he's like, I didn't want to go in the creepy horror room. He's like, right? My, my child used to be like, ooh, creepy horror. Like, and, I, and I couldn't tell if it was to get a rise out of me, to get a reaction. I'd be like, creepy horror? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you don't like demons. <laughs> but last night he said, you know what, Mom? And this is what he said. He said, now that my heart burns for Jesus, I don't enjoy those things anymore. Can I, can I say this to you as friends? Aside from any momentary things, things that are seen in the life of your children, we should be fighting for their hearts. We should be fighting for the things that are not seen. So don't even get so hung up on their momentary behavior or their momentary bent towards something. Go after the place of their heart. That the very, you don't want to raise children that will simply know how to adapt and to modify behavior outwardly in front of you. You want children that on a very heart level, they burn for the things of God. And so this is what I want to do. As we close out service today, I kind of want to do this in, in twofold. Is, you know, as we started out, we talked about how every single person in this room has a mother. 
And so before we pray for the mothers that we have here today, and we're going to have the kids come down in a little bit, um, but before we pray for the mothers that we have here, I want all of us just to take a couple minutes and just spend some time with the Lord. And I want, this is what I want you to do. I want you to specifically pray a prayer of blessing over your mother today. I just want you to talk to the Lord about your mother. Ask the Lord to bless your mother. And this is what I want to say. If this is hard for you, if there's any place inside of you that's like, you don't know my mom, <laughs> you know, or any of those kind of things, I want you to take a moment to just begin to forgive your mom and release the judgments that you have towards your mother. And I want you to remember, your mother is a sinner in need of forgiveness. Your mother is a sinner in need of grace. But I also want to remind you that you need to give the same mercy that you yourself have received. And so release your mother from those expectations. And a great prayer for your mother is that she would come to know Christ more fully and that she would encounter him if she has not yet. And so we're just going to take a couple minutes and um, just pray for our mothers. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that is under the sound of my voice. And Lord, we recognize today, Lord, that there is um, those that are here, God, that have very real uh, brokenness, Lord, that have very real wounding, even because of their mothers or because of the uh, negligence of their mothers or just the, the lack, Lord, that their mothers had. And so, God, we don't want to ignore or even make little of those places of pain and suffering. But God, we bring those things before you, Father. God, we bring, Lord, those places of disappointment, Lord, those places of maybe even trauma and abuse that has occurred in, the, in our lives, Lord, be, because of our mothers. And God, we just recognize, Lord, that those shortcomings that our mothers have, Lord, they just are a greater um, revealer of the fact that they need you, that our mothers need your love, Lord, that our mothers need your grace that our mothers need your healing. And so, God, we ask, Father, that um, we would have a greater awareness, Lord, that our mothers, are, they themselves are in need of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And, God, we ask, God, that you would encounter our mothers, Lord, that you would touch their hearts, Lord, that you would heal the places that they are wounded, that you would heal the places that they are broken, that you would heal the places that they have trauma, and Lord, we ask, God, that instead of us coming to them with expectation and demands, Lord, that we could even be, Lord, um, 
the voice of God and the love of God. Lord, that we could be the compassion of God. Lord, we pray, Father, that our mothers would not feel intense um, expectation and demands from us. But God, that they would feel freedom and that they would feel liberty. And Lord, that we would find the grace, Lord, to love them where they are at and to love them for who they are and what they have and not what we desire from them. Thank you, Jesus. So what we're going to actually do now at this portion of our service, I don't know, are the kids on their way down? I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm blinded by the light. <laughs> um, so anybody that is a mom here today, why don't you go ahead and work your way up to the front because the children are coming um, with flowers, but even if you don't have a child in the, in the children's ministry, um, we have flowers for all the moms, and so we're going to have a time um, to just pray over the mothers that are here. So anybody here that's a mom, why don't you come on up here with me? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Okay, so if you see your mom up here, um, so the kids need little bouquets that they're going to give to their moms, and um, for the, anybody, ooh, sorry, anybody, <laughs> they're so cute, um, for the older um, people in the crowd that have a mom up here, there's actually roses available for you, um, if, actually, if you want to come to the center, they can grab these, and then we're going to pray over our moms, oh, beautiful.
everybody has, I think everybody has flowers. I was, <laughs> um, okay, if, if you have a mom here, why don't you go head up to your mom? We're going to, and then if, if for any mom that doesn't have Stay a child present, we're going to surround our moms and we're going to pray for them. So we're going to bring it in. There you go. A nice big cuddle fest. All right, I'm going to come. You can, you know what? If you, I know your mommy's not here, you can just pick any mom to pray for. Okay. Can you do that? Okay. You can pick any mom. Okay. And anybody else, if, I mean, if you see someone here that doesn't have someone praying for them and you want to jump in and pray for a mom, come join us up front. We're going to go ahead and pray for our moms and then I'm going to pray for corporately. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our mothers. God, we thank you for the gift of their life. God, we thank you, Lord, for um, all of the time. And Lord, not even that we see the time, but Lord, even from the time of pregnancy, Lord, the, what's invested in the sacrifice, in the prayer, in the time and commitment and all of those things. But God, we ask, Father, that our mothers this morning and even throughout this week, Father, we ask, God, that they would be refreshed in your presence. Lord, we ask, Lord, Lord, even right now, God, that every place, Lord, that there are expectations and even demands that they place upon themselves. Lord, we ask, God, that every false expectation would be broken off of our mothers. Lord, that these women would not labor under a false burden or weight or expectation of um, somehow being perfect or being able to do it all. But God, I thank you, Father, more than anything else, that they would point their children to the cross. Lord, that they would even boldly declare that there's places that they may lack, places that they may need, but that they will lead their child to the cross, that they will teach their child that they themselves need forgiveness and mercy and need a savior. God, we thank you, Father, that these not women are not somehow super women or superheroes, but they're women that are yielded to you. And so, God, I thank you, Father, that you empower them. And even this morning, we speak grace over these women in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the grace of motherhood, Lord, that they would have grace, Lord, to uh, sow into the lives of their family. Lord, I even speak over these women, God, that there would be even an increased grace of prayer and fasting, Lord, that even though prayer may look differently in the early years of our children's lives, Lord, that there would be a spirit of prayer, Lord, over their homes, Lord, even when fasting may look differently, Lord, because of nutritional needs or even blood sugar, Lord, I thank you for the grace of fasting that is a posture of seeking after you, Father, within their homes. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that you would strengthen them with might in their inner man. Lord, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. God, I thank you, Father, that before they are a mother, that they are a child of God. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that they would take the moments that they need to be refreshed and renewed and strengthened, Lord, in your presence. Again, we just thank you for these mothers, Lord. What a, a special, Lord, gift that you've given them, that temperament, a grace, Lord, that you've endowed them, Lord, with. Lord, we take this time to honor them and to celebrate them. God, I ask that this day would be like a day of no other celebration and just, God, coming together as a family and loving one another and celebrating our moms, Father. We thank you for the gift of motherhood. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are awesome. We won't keep you up here any longer. You can sit down. Thank you so much. Church, put your hands together some more as these mothers make their way back to their seats. Wow. Who knew that God could touch your heart on Mother's Day morning at church through a message like that? I mean, I was being stirred. How many people were just stirred by that message? So applicable, not just for moms, but really everybody. Bethany, thank you so much for the word that you give us this morning. Listen, church, uh, the cool thing about this is we do this every Sunday. So next Sunday at 10 a.m., we'll be right here celebrating the same God, singing and worshiping, preaching. Uh, So we want to invite you to come out next Sunday to be with us. Also, just a little reminder, if you're new uh, here, maybe this is your first or second or third time and you're still kind of sniffing us out, I want to encourage you to stop by the info center um, we got a cool gift for you, and plus we just want to exchange uh, numbers. You won't get ours, but we'll get yours, okay? <laughs> Listen, we love you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next.